You're listening to The People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by footballstadiumprints.com. Let's start the show. And as I talked about just a couple minutes ago, as Joe Watt stands over this one, he appears to be the one taking the penalty here. Uh, this is a huge confidence booster if you're a Duluth. Worst Mr. case scenario for here City for right more. here. And it stopped! Yes. And it stopped! Totally Matt Elder! <laughs> Matt Elder redeeming himself! Oliver with the right foot. The shot is oh, Oliver! And Justin Oliver will break the scoreless tie. And it is 1-0 Minneapolis City. Is Hutton now on the offense with the left foot. And oh, the goal! goal! It is now 2-0 Minneapolis oh, yes. City. Good finish. Nick Hutton taking his quick victory lap. Back from our late summer vacation, this is the People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club. No, folks, we did not get lost in the woods, and we, we didn't, tried. We didn't. We, we didn't have to use our bear spray. We uh, we've actually been meaning to get back to recording for some time, but John, you were struck struck down by a mystery <laughs> illness. <laughs> Everything is good though, um, except maybe you're a pod person now. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm a good. scanner. I'm good. It- so it was some scary stuff, dude. Like the common cold for my kids turned into a lung infection and sparing these fine listeners of this year podcast, the details I was, I've been like in and out of medical offices for like almost three weeks. Um, so I, I knew, and my mom told me I was always special, but I never thought I would get mystery illness on my huh. bingo card. And, um, <laughs> but I did, and, uh, I'm on the men now. So I might cough a little bit, uh, during the pod today. So bear with me, but, uh, I, I am doing good, and uh, thank you for anyone, everyone's concerns that didn't know that I was kind of having some health concerns, but I am good, and uh, I'm ready to talk some soccer, Nate. Nice. All right, at least until the, the like, face hugger bursts out of your chest. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm, I'm like, uh, uh, what, what's, the, what's the guy's name? An alien? Yeah. Where the, 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 the thing comes out this. of his chest. <laughs> yeah, anyway. no. Yeah, no, no, nothing's going to be coming out of me other than awesome, hot, hot soccer takes. Nice. Well, this is all about, uh, this show is going to be all about the 2023 USL2 season as we look back on some of the best moments and the most impactful players. It is the official, unofficial People's Pitch Award show for USL2. We've got lots of uh, commemorations to hand out. So we're going to do that tonight. And then if you want to keep watching your crows, uh, they're probably playing at a school right down the street from you. So we're going to talk about Minneapolis city in the Mayak to close the show out. Well, and not to mention too, that with the Mayak sports network uh, powered by Hulu or uh, not Hulu huddle, huddle. There we go. Uh, you can watch every game. Yeah. So it, it's, it's fantastic because if you're, if you're a local soccer nut, you know, maybe not like Paul or, our friend of the pod but if you're a local soccer nut it's like it, literally it's all there right there for you so just log on and you can watch any match so sweet well john every year we like to recognize the coaches and the players for a well-fought season with our official unofficial awards we have one set for each team and tonight we're honoring the usl2 team and first i want to talk about the usl2 team in general Going all the way back to our live pod, our Q&A at uh, Utapils in the preseason, the big headlines going into the season were how eye-opening and really disappointing the 2022 season was, along with, of course, Carl Craig taking over as head coach. Last year, we saw the Crows secure their first win on the very last day of the season. And that feels like an easy bar to clear. But looking back as I as I reflect on how Carl talked to Kyle, how Carl managed questions, things like that, I'm realizing he never really promised that this team was going to do any better this year, did he? No, uh, you're 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 right. You're right. He never really put the success flag in the ground and rallied around it, which I think is okay in my opinion. Yeah, because the expectations of this club our players, our fans, is to be successful. So why reiterate that we had a down season the year before and then cement an expectation that we're going to strive to just slightly raise the bar? Yeah. 
Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, we want to win. And we are going to try to do everything in every match to win. But I do say this with knowing that it's hard for a first-year manager to say, this is what to expect from an outcome perspective for us. When he really doesn't know what, what to expect, seeing that he was stepping down into a league and a system that is far different than the pro ranks where he came from. Yeah, and he didn't know the players. Yeah, and things are different. Like, like he didn't have to deal with things like, we only take players from Minnesota. Guys have day jobs. Traveling is hard. Uh, you know, like, this isn't their main focus. You know, I know he wants that, but, it, it, you know, he can, he can want a lot, but what you get doesn't always match up with your wants. Yep. Uh, so, so there's that. And I get it that this year was and likely was from the jump for a new manager and education and what to expect. Yeah, and that's fine. <laughs> that's that's good. And, and I think even though we equaled last year's results by the first weekend of June, um, we beat the Bavarians at home 1-0, and that was great. It really was like it wasn't until July that the results started coming. June was actually a miserable month for this club. When you And we were, and I think you and I looked at each other a lot in the booth like, oh, shit, here we go again. Mm-hmm. But, but points on the road against the Bavarians, against Thunder Bay, beating Manitoba, and then beating them again at home in that kind of weird weather game that got called early. Saw the team. I mean, we really turned it around. We were winning. We were we were drawing. We were climbing the table again. And I think we're we're already seeing the results of the season give guys a boost in their college careers, which we'll talk about in, in a few minutes at the near the end of the show. And and hopefully there's going to be lots of positive momentum going into next year. I'll I'll say I'll say this, and it's not coming from the excuse drawer that people tend to have. A year ago, in our first USL two season. And into the first part of this of this season, there was just plain and simple bad luck that if a ball bounced one way or uh, the ball doesn't hit the bar and some of those losses turn into draws or wins. So yep. I, I do want to say that, that like there was some bad luck in la- the, la- uh, the season before and in the beginning of this season. Again, not an excuse, but that early loss of the baby loons really did feel like the, for the first match with all the anticipation, even though it was a slimmed down roster from a top talent in the in-house perspective, not mm-hmm. being there, it was a very winnable game, but it just didn't happen. And I think our friend Nordo likes to call it six minutes of stupid, <laughs> which isn't the way I would say it. You know, uh, you know, is it the way I would say it? Maybe not, but, Maybe. Uh, but it is the way a, a way to say it that we do a lot of great things in matches. And this is historically at Minneapolis city. We do a lot of great things and then we shut off for a short period of time. And in that time we get absolutely punished by the competition and, and especially in the USL. Yep. We yep, used yep. to have those same moments of lapse in the MPSL, but we would always have superior talent from what we're seeing across the, across the field. No disrespect call it like it is um, we would always have a very su- su- supremely talented group. And from that group, we would then rally regroup. And for the next 70 minutes, we would run over a team and get back into a match or ultimately win it. That's not the case now. So you're correct that it feels like early season with, you know, the early season with high anticipation from our fans that we might've been headed down the same path as last year until we hit that road trip which typically a road trip is very hard for us and yeah. hard for lower league soccer. So I'm very encouraged by that being the jumping off the springboard into some real positive things at the end of the season, even though we did see us bowing out of the, uh, of what I feel was a very winnable Minnesota super cup. Uh, and you know, it is what it is, but there were positives for sure. Yeah. Well, in full transparency last year, given the performance, performance of our top two teams it was very hard to do these shows (laughs) (laughs) but this year as we looked back it's like hell yeah we've got some stuff to be proud of and i'm I'm excited to i'm excited to talk about it tonight john so let's talk about the the first let's talk about like the the big stuff that happened on the field that's worth recognizing. Yeah. Do you want me to run through these or would you yeah. like to? Well, I mean, let's, let's kind of, let's alternate. I left them, I left them black. Cause I wasn't sure if you feel like they are. Uh, sure. Sure. You know, so yeah. So from an on the field perspective, when we're talking about w- big wins, we'll go three to one. Like we typically do. Got to build that anticipation. 
mm-hmm. for, for the big number one. I think it was the, uh, the integration of new faces. We talked about it on this show throughout the season. And even when we were in the early parts of, of the roster forming for the USL two team that, you know, there's a, there's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of the old guard are left. And we, and we mentioned that there in any sports organization, whether it be full professional or uh, professionally amateur like us, that there eventually is a turning over of the soil and you're going to go through some patches where there aren't those names that are around anymore. There were still a few that were around that have been here, which is, I think helps us get into number one here. But number three was integrating those guys into the fold. You know, you had a lot of, you had a new, new coaching staff with really only our goalkeeper coach, John Pucci being the only holdover uh, from the coaching staff perspective. But you also had, I think out of the, the, the 30 players or so that were, were signed by the club, we probably only had a three or four that had been there before. So yeah. integrating those new phases, I think was a big win because it's pushing us in, into the, the next phase of Minneapolis city from a player's perspective. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. And I think, you know, that's always, that's always kind of a touchy point year to year, mm-hmm. especially at this level, as we, you know, like at the start of the season, we're like, we got this guy from, Campbell have you heard of Campbell we got a couple guys from Radford yeah. uh have you heard of that and American it's like, University like yeah and we're just that like, like uh coming to America the <laughs> University of the United States like what's what's this thing and we've just never like never heard of these guys so uh it was it was great to see that they'd be able that they were able to be accepted into the fold um yep. I think a big one for us also was finding our our real number one in number Matt. two number two on the list yeah yep I think when you think about going back and the way we started the season against the against the baby loons, um, when you think about, I don't know, when you think about like, uh, you know, kind of going bouncing back and forth, especially the last year between kind of three or four goalkeepers across two teams, three teams, and never really having someone that we knew we could count on for big saves, big moments, things like that. It was great to have finally Evan Seif can step up and take that, take that mantle. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, calling it like it is, which I like to do, you know, Evan didn't have an easy road either. There were some mistakes uh, that he had to look past uh, that, that happened early on in him, him coming into his opportunity where depending upon the situation, you know, whether your, you make three mistakes and the guy before you made four, you still made three mistakes. And there was two other guys that hadn't had an opportunity to get a chance in that. So yep. he, he took the, the faith of the coaching staff and, and by the end of the season was doing the things that he does. Well, obviously always a good, always been a good shot stopper. I think he was starting to get a little bit better with his distribution and commanding his 18 yard box was, was a big thing. Um, especially when we were seeing bigger, stronger opposition that he would, he, he was coming out on, on set pieces, on, on corner kicks, on, on deep crosses. And he was, he was getting to the ball first where early in the season that wasn't happening. Yep. And I think that was great. So I, I definitely agree with you on number two. And then finally, number one, drum roll, uh, the brotherhood built on the road. So we talked about that road trip starting in Milwaukee with the draw against the Bavarian, or the uh, with another one, uh, yeah, the draw against the Bavarians, and then moving into that Canada trip, we kind of saw throughout the whole season this like never give up attitude, even when things were going wrong, uh, from this young group of players, this new group of players, and we always talk about how the brotherhood is a difference from us, uh, as opposed to people like you know, you know, that we played against uh, in the NPSL and then in the, in the USL too, when we, when we came into the fold there, but seeing it actually happen where guys were like holding each other accountable. They, they liked being together. They, there was some sort of continuity uh, that was growing beyond just like, a, here's where I'm going to play soccer this summer and I'm going to yeah. try to do it for myself and I'm going to leave and I'm going to go do my thing in college or beyond. So I, I really, really liked seeing that. Agreed. And I, we talked about it after that road trip, how important that was, uh, especially, and we'll talk about these guys, you know, in a little bit, but guys like Stevie Lamar stepping up, like really cementing the team to finish up the season, even though the last road trip was tough. That's all right. I think it, it builds the foundation 
right for this for this next year if, if some of those guys choose to return yeah so let's talk about the on the field stuff Nate. why don't you start this one the on the the off the field stuff or sorry off the field yeah yeah that were that were some big moments is we found that shattuck pipeline john um you know the guys that the guys that we hadn't really tapped into the shattuck st mary's talent pool beyond troy benhart in the past um, yeah i mean we had a couple players like miles norville but in and out but he came by way of trey so like yep. it was there, there it was it was always like that there's a soccer specific boarding school um or just a soccer specific or sports specific school that has a soccer program that we we played against in tune-ups for the open cup and preseason things and always saw young talent luke hawkinson um another name that came from shattuck st mary's oh, yeah. and it, w- it was always like why are we not bringing these guys in you know like what what's missing here and <laughs> And I, I don't know if it was, you know, if it was a mixture of a couple of things. I don't know if it was the fact that um, Carl Craig at one point in his, in his soccer, soccer uh, journey had a stop there and is familiar with the, the playing style, the, the type of player that they look for, or if it was, you know, some of the, the work behind the scenes from a recruiting perspective that, that um, general manager, Matt Vemensko and MVB was doing, with his connections there, or if it was like guys like Andrew Shazinski who came in and was like last year and was like, I love it here. This is great. I really wish I would have known about this sooner. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go talk Spread to my buddy. Word. I'm going to go talk to my buddy, Griffin Gierchi and Car- Carson Pena and all these guys that I played with at Shattuck that know, knew about Minneapolis city, maybe at a smaller level or maybe a bit uh, uh, to a, to a, uh, a more larger degree, but Let's get them in the mix. Let's and then I think that is what helped build on that brotherhood. Yeah. There's a contingent of guys that once again know each other, either played together before, played against each other. Like it's it's continuing that like Minnesota first mentality, which is what we started this club on. Yeah, for sure. Num- number two for me is the continued fan support. And I know this is like okay, John, like <laughs> that's an easy <laughs> one. But it's it's so true. Like to see a growing contingent of fans tra- traveling this year with with the team as opposed to last year, uh, getting back to where the supporters are, they're starting to get to know the players because you know they're there's the same faces every week. You know we 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 didn't have that last season it, to some degree with players moving in and out. Also, we've turned the roster over. There's a lot of like newness for fans. I think a lot of that fan support did come from the fact that Carl is now part of the fray and people know the name and they remember the old days up at NSC and they're like, you know, I'm, I'm in, but the diehard fans are, have not gone away. And and there's a point in time with every, every sports organization where the diehard fans do wane a little bit and, and, and and drop off, but we don't, we, we don't have that. And you, you look at what happened with our trailer being lost and, or stolen in the support that came from the fans uh, of our of our organization and and outside but when it comes down to like supporting the team that's something that is like gotta always be on the list because it's always there yeah i i you know it always surprises me you always you you historically we would have one or two fans go but to to some of these away matches and it was kind of the same same friends same people but like this year paul has done such an amazing job of bringing people along with him and mm-hmm. and really making it a fun atmosphere for the fans that yeah. choose that choose to show up it's been it's been phenomenal it's been wonderful for the for the fan base and i hope more fans clue into it i think yeah. the last thing john and this kind of goes to the goes back to the same point of the brotherhood being built on the road but the big off the field moment, biggest off the field moment for me is that these new players are understanding the meaning of playing for City. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right. I, I mean, you touched on it with the Shattuck guys. You touched on it with um, with some of these other with some of these other um, some of these other players that you know went on this road trip to Canada, went on the road trip to to Wisconsin, and came back a little different. And it's like great to get guys like Hakeem Morgan 
and Shea Bechtel and like, wow, we they're playing for us. But by the end of the season, the fact that they are 100% bought in or that, mm-hmm. An- or that Andrew Suzinski goes back to school at Shattuck and, and brings three guys back with him this year and they are all 100% bought in. Like now we're talking. Now we're now we're back to now we're back to to the city that we knew and loved. Well, I'll I'll give you uh, a, a firsthand example of this. Um, the anticipation was very high for Victor Gallman joining us from St. Croix last season, uh, this this past season, and then due to some family related issues back in France, he was only able to play in one game for us. And and before he left, he had mentioned like I'm you know I, I really wish I could be here with the guys like I love it here you know like I I want to I, I want to play for Minneapolis City and uh a week ago last week I went to this uh to St. Olaf for to, to for Justin Oliver's first match against University of Chicago for in his tenure starting at St. Olaf to, to support Justin and also to you know support the guys on the team and um he we'll talk about you know some city around the Mayak uh, here in a bit, but Matt Gibbons is his assistant coach. And Matt Gibbons, like Scotty Heinen, left, played in Europe. Scotty came back first, ended up playing with us this summer. Matt did not. And he ultimately was like, I went to the Duluth game and I realized what what, what I miss and why I, I'm I'm city till I die kind of thing. Like yeah. I I just missed it. Like just the atmosphere, the fans, like you know the pageantry all of it like i i the donkey I sounds that. it was the donkey well, sounds it was it probably for some people that wasn't great but yeah for him it was <laughs> um but uh get right real next, people right right next to him was victor goldman who i was talking to and he almost like couldn't wait to to step over me talking to gibbons about how about that about how He's so excited to come back next year and, you know, in between whatever he's going to do with his fifth year of eligibility, whether it's go back to back to St. Olaf or it's to try to play somewhere else. But like this summer, he wants all in on city and even seeing, even seeing some of the players like from the beginning of the season, like almost looking like it was laborious to like go thank the fans after the game, even in a loss. To then later on in the season being like extremely excited as soon as the whistle blew to get over and thank the fans like that kind of stuff like that's yep. what that's what it means to be part of this club yeah 100 percent, john i think that that in itself right is encouraging for next year it is it's it's almost like it, this year was a slow reset and next year you gotta feel like we're gonna hit the ground running with mm-hmm. players that are excited to come back players that are 100% bought in from the beginning and and dedicated and excited to uh to to rep city. Yeah, another but, example too would be like Hakeem Morgan basically saying like, you know, this year was this summer was great. Like I learned so much, it was awesome. I have like three of my my teammates from from my international duty back home in Costa Rica that would love to move here and be part of this. You know, like stuff like that. Like that goes well beyond the my buddy from college. That, that's like a commitment because they know that we don't <laughs> yeah. house players, you yep. know? So it, yeah, it just, it, it continues to get better. Um, yeah. All right. Well, those are like the our... big themes, right? The big, the big yeah. wins were kind of like themes for the year, but now we're going to move into more specific stuff. Yes. So our big moments, our top five, if you will, our big moments of the season. <laughs> Number five for us is the first goal of the season coming from the aforementioned Hakeem Morgan, that laser free kick off that sweet left foot that he has against St. Croix was phenomenal for, for many reasons, not just what happened on the field, but the fact that up in the booth, Matt Ben Scoten was like, I've seen him do this after practice, like a thousand times. This yeah. ball's going in the He's goal. He's just like, this and, is going to be a goal. Yeah. And then it goes in the goal. And then I think part of, part of the thing we didn't mention about the brotherhood too, was that, the team celebrations when we scored goals. And that was the first one of it where Hakeem scored and, and all the, all the guys rallied around him and started to, started to, to celebrate his goal with him. So that one was, <laughs> was an awesome moment and a great way to kick off the season result aside. That was a great, a great way to start the season. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was when we realized that like Eli Goldman only likes to celebrate other people's goals. 
Well, we've kind of cemented it because he used to do it <laughs> like he did it like for the last three seasons. <laughs> Love it. All right. Uh, big moment number number four. Um, we have Eli Goldman's hat trick against RKC. And it, we ended up losing that game. Was it five to three? Um, I believe. And I joked with Eli in the parking lot after the game. I was like, what, you couldn't score like two more? You know, like what the <laughs> heck happened? And in that game, it was a big moment for us because we got to see a newcomer to the division who we, we knew that uh, Racine and the Bavarians were, were new to the division. We were like, you know, and, and Rochester were like, you know, they're kind of an unknown. Well, we kind of ran into that buzzsaw that was RKC and was like, holy shit. These, these creeps can roll, man. They're good. Yeah. And, but to see one of the holdovers from the old regime in Eli Goldman, and unfortunately he ended up um, having a season cut short due to injury and, and wanting to be healthy for his senior year at New Hampshire, um, took stepped aside, but was always around the team. Um, that in his last kind of statement game with the, with the club, because I, I truly believe that he's on for b- bigger things uh, post-college um, in the professional ranks somewhere someone's going to need to take a flyer on Eli Goldman. And if, if you're listening, probably aren't, but if you are, um, he would be one of those guys I bring into my team, but to see him and what probably was his last game in five years with the club to score a hat trick and pretty much try to will the team by himself back into a game where we were outmatched. Yeah. Yep. How about number three? Number three, the last one for me on the list is the Shea Bechtel header against Bavarians for a first win. And that one's a love-hate one for me because, as you know, that's the Bizworm Derby. And the fact that uh, my two teams uh, that own my heart are playing against each other. And I want nothing more than once that whistle blows to stomp those guys. And although it was only a one nothing victory in our first of the season, that goal, I think, started to unlock some of the, the, the themes that the coaching staff was trying to impress into the players and also showed the continuity and why it's important for guys that play together in college to be part of this, to help with that recognition on the field that other teams at our level don't necessarily have later or until later in the season, because they have new faces every single year. And it was just a great ball by Hakeem Morgan, like doing more as a number nine striker than just playing back to goal and turning and trying to, trying to score himself, but coming in deep, receiving a pass, turning and without even thinking twice, putting a ball into space where he knew his college teammate was going to get on the other end of it. Yeah. They gave him, I watched that again today when we were, when we were making this, uh, this outline and we were awarding these awards and he had a little bit more time. They gave him, they gave Hakeem a lot of time on the ball to put his head up and look. And you can see the moment where they make eye contact and Shay just starts the run and he, he puts the, puts the ball on a dime it was oh yeah it was wonderful that's why it it cracks the top five yeah absolutely uh watch it again it's on youtube minneapolis city's youtube channel the next one uh you know (laughs) john this is one where i i i will admit i had turned the game off at this point because (laughs) this was i think labor day or memorial day weekend I couldn't. I was running the watch party at Udapil's. First so big <laughs> weekend up at the cabin. I just got the internet set up, and I'm just like excited to watch this game. And I was just so pissed and frustrated at this Thunder Bay game. And and we were down two one, and Curtis Wagner gets a red card. Soft and, red card. And I was just like, "That's it. Oh well. Click. Fuck this. So mad. Ruined my Memorial Day weekend. Wrong." Or this is, sorry, Fourth uh, of July weekend. Wrong. Stevie Lamar shows up big. Not only did he Comes score. Off the bench. Yeah, off the bench, pulled off the bench. We were down 2 nothing at the half. Stevie Lamar brought us back within one in the 55th minute. Curtis Wagner gets a red card in the 70-something. And at the death, Lamar able to pull another one back and save the draw. Short-sighted goal. Just phenomenal. And this is this was kind of personal vindication for me, John, because all season, Stephen Lamar would get a start. Stephen Lamar would come in late. And I'd just be like, why? Why? Stevie Lamar looked like the only person early in the season beyond Eli, one of the few people early in the season when we were in our skid in June that was trying. 
right? Really hard every time he went out there. Physical, hunting the ball down. Didn't, you know, didn't make best decisions all the time, but still like, man, why are we taking this guy off? Like, especially against Rochester. He's the only one that was doing anything. And then we lose one to five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is the Stevie Lamar Vindication Tour in, in Canada up to up to Thunder Bay where he saved the draw and uh, secured that short-sighted goal. That's my number two. Yeah, and for me, like that one was, it it just, tactically, I have no idea what Thunder Bay was thinking, being up a man (laughs) and up up a goal, where they just kept trying to press. And you could could see the moment after Stevie's first goal, when we started to kind of turn the temperature up a little bit, you could just see him like realizing the same thing, like these guys aren't really guarding me. Like if I can get into, into a pocket of space, like and and just kind of maybe play that cat and mouse game like will he won't he make a run and i and i can just find a spot they're not guarding me so the awareness of him to understand that and likely seeing it also while he was sitting on the bench and then coming on and also you know the coaching staff realizing that maybe it wasn't you know it, it wasn't his day on that trip because we had we had manitoba you know 2 days later that you know we need to, to to rest some of the players but like you know screw it let's put stevie on we you know we need to go we need to try to get into this game and then stevie coming up big and we've we've talked about like stevie has never been fully healthy since he left high school and you know whether it was a stop in creighton or his time at, at st thomas it's just like it doesn't seem to come together for him but the talent's there and we yeah. were able to see it for sure um, in, 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 in larger glimpses for him having a healthy summer. Yeah. I love it. And number one, John, it's Shea Bechtel's last second goal away at Manitoba, same road trip, almost the same situation where we are, we're, we're down or now at this point we're, we've drawn, like we were up, uh, Manitoba came back, tied it. And in, in the 90 plus minute, they tied it. And in the 90 double plus minute, Shea Bechtel strikes. Yeah. Like we, when we get into our teachable moments, uh, we'll talk about a little bit of, of why we ended up where we ended up. But um, uh, yeah, I, it just showed that, you know, tired legs, um, you know, tough road trip and just that, that never stop attitude that our team had and including Shea Bechtel, which we'll talk about here. I think in, in a matter of minutes, uh, but let's talk about the teachable moments, Nate, you know, that not yeah, everything's good. That's not right. Everything's good. That's right. You know, we got to learn um, for, for our teachable moments, we had three of them. And I think that number three and number two are kind of a, a one, a one B uh, or sorry, uh, a two, a two B situation. <laughs> yeah. But number three is you can't turn off in the USL two. No. You just absolutely can't. And we've, we, we saw that the makeup of our roster was young, which makes me really excited for next year and maybe a, a year beyond that to understand like when these guys get into their senior years in college, how much three years together was actually going to benefit Minneapolis city. We can talk about that when we talk about next year, when we see what the roster is going to look like, but you can't turn off. The talent is too, too vast. The talent level is too vast in the USL too. And then that goes into my number two, which is the six minutes of stupid uh, TM Eric Nordquist. <laughs> um, um, the St. Croix, the St. Croix game on the road. And I don't like to necessarily call people out because I don't think it helps anyone, but the, that game was a winnable game by every facet. We had completely controlled that game. And unfortunately, Kalen Maddox Castillo in net shut off for two goals that ended up single-handedly losing that match. And it again shows that you cannot turn off and you have to always be on. He lost track of where he was at, handles the ball out of, uh, out of the box. They get a free kick. They bury it. That goal should have never happened. Later in the game, we're starting to control things. We're, we're combining through the midfield we're actually with which we tended to bypass this season. We're connecting through the midfield, and then he gets the ball on his foot. Easy clearance opportunity. Decides to take a second touch. Loses the ball. They strip it. They score a goal, and the game's lost. Yeah, like, those are just things that you cannot do. 
and it may work at different levels and different pieces of soccer in the in the grand scheme of things but at the USL League 2 level you cannot do that stuff yeah i mean and they're 2a and 2b because we learned from our opponents as well that you can't turn off in this league you just said it against thunder bay or manitoba yeah, either way you're just like what are they doing manitoba turned off <laughs> as soon as the whistle blew here here in the, in in the cities at McAllister. But uh, and then they turn back on, and it's all of a sudden they found themselves down to nothing, and they didn't have enough game to yeah. to see it out. And Thunder Bay on the road, up two goals with minutes left, decides to continue to attack in numbers. Yeah, when like that is when you dial up Jose Mourinho and you just literally park the coach bus in front of the goal. Yeah, you know, like you know, and then put all your players behind it just in case someone gets around it. Like, you know, like, and they didn't do that. So you can't turn off. And it's not just us not turning off. It is the league. Uh, and we've yeah. seen it. Yep. I think for me, the number one teachable moment is how important early chemistry is. And when you think about, uh, when you think about dropping our first game in the Minnesota Super Cup to the baby loons. Yeah. Roster was a little thin. Yeah. The guys might not, might not have, you know, known each other that well. There were some free agents on the field, but still like that carried through into June when June was pretty miserable. Right. And it wasn't until the guys got together, figured each other out that July really took off. So it's, it's really important somehow for the team to figure out that early chemistry. And in the past it came because of the brotherhood. Largely it was the same team over and over again for three years that we were trotting out of the NPSL with like very pointed additions right? Mm-hmm. But the last few years, it's been almost hitting reset every season, and that has hurt us. Yeah, I have nothing to add to that. You completely nailed it. Bam. <laughs> All right. Boom. Let's move on to the individual awards, because I think there are a lot of people that had individual efforts that deserve that deserve unofficial official recognition. recognition. Yep, yeah, or official unofficial. And the first is staff member of the year. John, I'm going to take this one and this is this was my shot in the dark, and this one's not. I'm not joking about it. I think it's Peter Rivard because Peter Rivard took the Carl Craig vision. He's been he's been Carl's you know right hand man for a few years, and he took it to Canada and he saw out that big trip to Canada and was able to get something out of this team, whether it was his roster choices, whether it was what he was talking to them about, whether it was it was he was letting them talk about in the locker room. He was able to get something out of this team that I think hadn't well, up been, until that point hadn't been have. able to be. Yep, they hadn't been able to be drawn out of them yet, and and it it turned the season around in my mind. So props to Peter. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's never easy for a member of the coaching staff, even though you might think like day in and day out they're there, they're at training, but when you have to move over a seat. And it's your time to sh- it's your time to shine, and the spotlight's on you because your boss isn't there. Um, just like any day job that someone has, or any part time job that someone has, when your boss isn't there, and decisions need to be made very quickly in order for performance to be uh, corrected or to be uh, continued, you have to make those decisions. So I think you're 100 percent correct here. Like we don't know what it was or why it was, but it was. And we, we, we definitely think that that, and we've mentioned that trip was what got us back into what could have been a dark summer again for Minneapolis yeah. city. Yeah. Pulled us out of the darkness. Next. <laughs> All right. Is there, is there a young player of the year, John? And you and I agree on this one. And, and I watched the highlight from the Duluth game to cement this for me. And it's Andrew Sizinski. Andrew Sizinski shows up. There's kind of a rotating um, rotating right, rotating right, right, back. right back, right? We're trying to figure out who it's going to be, and it never really stuck until Andrew stepped into it. And his moment in Duluth where he not only drew the free kick, but delivered the a perfect ball that, that led to the game-winning goal in that Duluth game is just like epitomizes Andrew's work ethic. It epitomizes how he approached how he approached his city uh, season. And he's just one of those guys where it's just like, I hope he comes back again. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And you know, you bringing up that match is, it just takes me back to the on the field moments. Like number one should always be beating Duluth. Um, (laughs) But back seeing the, seeing what it meant to the younger players and hearing what players like Aiden O'Driscoll said to the guys in the locker room, like, this is it for this club right here. Like we don't lose to these guys like, and they don't want to lose to us. And, you know, there's no love, there's no love lost between them, mm-hmm. but Andrew was, was an interesting, an interesting player because he, he ended up coming to us late, uh, late into camp his first year with us. And it happened to be, you know, the year where we had, you know, multiple teams playing multiple competitions and, I remember being there for his trial and, and Matt asking me like, can I have to coach the, the session? Can you just like watch this guy do a player eval, send it to me. Let me know what you think. I'll try to watch, but um, let me know what you think so I can focus on other things. So I did. And I watched Andrew and I was like, within the first five minutes, I was like effort 110% always. He has a place here. Some somehow like bring him in. It, it'll work out. Then, you know, he, we, we brought him in. He didn't necessarily have a regular place. Always showed up, always worked hard, waited for his opportunity, never complained. Fast forward into USL two season two, um, elevated to be part of the USL two roster officially uh, instead of unofficially, which, which is what happened in his first year where he was kind of just getting spot time. I think he made the Canada trip last year because he didn't have any other right backs. Yep. And, it, it, and he was kind of overmatched. And he worked hard, but effort wasn't able to match up against the talent that he was facing. And that happens sometimes in soccer. Um, and in this, this season, he was the third choice off of the roster sheet for that right back position. And he never complained. And he went and he took the opportunity. And then who was the starting right back the entire rest of the season? Andrew Shazinski. So right. I'm with you. I hope he comes back. I, you know, he's, he's in his, uh, I believe his sophomore season, uh, maybe his junior season. I can't remember um, at Boston university. Um, another situation where he's not getting a ton of time there, but when he is getting time, he's staying on the field. So we need Andrew to come back. Andrew, come back, please. Come back. <laughs> Next up, John most improved. And this is a guy, this is a guy that got the chance to play finally. And all he did was score clutch goals. It's Stevie Lamar. Yeah, absolutely. I think we can probably put this one to, to, to bed pretty easily. We talked about Stevie and his performance in our big moments. Um, and you touched on it too. There were some times where, you know, I love you, Stevie, but there were some decisions that were less than ideal. And you're like, come on, man, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but the effort was always there. And then he started to match the skill to his effort that he has. And I think that it, most improved or most important player probably could be the same category here for Stevie. Yeah. And, but we've only got, I guess, one. So there we go. Next up, John, talk about, talk to me about breakout player of the year. Well, breakout player of the year goes to a name that has been in our awards for two seasons now, and that's Evan Siefkin, who was the player of the year last year for the Futures program in the in UPSL. Um, and we talked about him cementing his spot as GK1, and, and once he did that, once he had the opportunity, there were mistakes, corrected them, and then became the guy that we have to have in there. And that's, that's something that's tough for a younger player to, to really grasp onto. It's definitely the defining moment in your soccer journey where you, where it clicks for you. Where it's like, I might not have another opportunity, so I got to fix it. And the talent's always been there with Evan. The size for a goalkeeper is always there. The, the reaction times to, to make the saves, but it was always for me, like a, a small positioning thing where maybe at the futures level, he could, he could get by with maybe being a half step behind yep. or maybe at St. John's where he plays college soccer in Minnesota, he could kind of get by. But if you go back to that Duluth game where he makes two absolutely fantastic reaction saves that, to keep us in that match at very crucial time, time frames. That brought together the whole season for me, for Evan, from cementing his spot to showing I can make those saves. And we had Matt Elder on at halftime in the booth of that game, if, if you go back and watch it. And Nordo asked him about it. 
was like, you know, that used to be your shirt. What do you think of this guy? And he was like, you know, so great to see not only him make those saves, but also being a graduate of the Futures program just shows that that system works for us. Yes. And I think it's phenomenal that you get Matt Elder's take on that too, to be like, this guy deserves it. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, yeah, every, absolutely. Like, <laughs> you ask him about some of the some of the best moments from from his city career, and Matt Elder ultimately will answer like, "I have no idea what I was thinking or how I did that." Yep, <laughs> I, just, I just did it. It's just I just did it. It's just it's just uh, it's instinct, and this this guy's got the instincts, man. And I hope that he sticks around. Another guy, yeah. another guy. All these all these award winners, please come back and maybe win more awards <laughs> yeah. next year. Yep. So newcomer of the year, a lot of newcomers, Lots a lot of, of uh, a lot of men throwing their hat in the ring for this one. Mm -hmm. um, but for us, it was easy. It was everyone's favorite name to say, Griffin Gierci. And Gierci. Uh, unfortunately, what we ended up, well, outside of finding out that's not how you say his name. Um, but fortunately <laughs> for us, he said he loves it and his parents think it's funny. So we kept going with it. Um and Nordo just seemed to get really excited about saying Gierci like 10 times per, per broadcast, um, as did I. But Griffin came in and played center back. And we were like, you know, he's maybe a half step slow, has the size, good on good with the ball. But, you know, maybe it doesn't look like the right partner for Jonah Garcia back there or the right partner with Wes Lawrence back there. And then we find out that once – um, you know, once, uh, what's his name? No, it's escaping me. Uh, Curtis Wagner came in and, and was your typical center back that Griffin stepped up in defensive center mid midfield and was like, wow, this is where this guy That's actually where he's supposed does to play. play. Yes. And what I found is that we saw a lot of our misconnection from the back line to the front line um, and not going through the midfield because we didn't have that one piece that could be that, that five yard pocket of space finding outlet for our center backs and our outside backs until Griffin started to play there. Unfortunately he got injured, but then he comes in plays in the Duluth game to, to, to cement the end of the season scores, the penalty kick, which we were all like, why is this guy taking it? You know? <laughs> and then he steps up with that left foot and bangs it home. And you're like, all right. Now we're talking. So mm -hmm. that that's what gave us Griffin Gierche for our newcomer of the year. Yes. How about defensive? Now we're getting to the MVP section, John. The most yep. valuable players of the of the squad. Defensive MVP. This is not a guy you were high on early. Yes, I was not, and no disrespect. Uh, I was very high on his hairstyle, but uh, his <laughs> playing style for me, I didn't see it. Um, and that's Carson Pena. And uh, no disrespect, Carson, if you're listening to this. Well, I mean, he's but... winning defensive MVP. Right. But I'm ultimately, I'm, with, I'm, doing, the, <laughs> I'm doing the typical like uh, leader at work. Like, this is what you did wrong, but this is what you did great. Yep. Um, <laughs> early on in the season, I was like, man, our outside back situation, both right and left side is dire. Like Rough. we don't have guys that connect well with the attack. We have guys that look the part, but aren't for defensively stopping anyone in a one V one situation. We, we don't have like that Charlie Adams guy who you look at and you're like, they're doing the job. They're adding, they're adding on both sides of the ball. Yep. And I don't know what it was, but there, I think it was the, the first Bavarians game where he had just come back from injury and what got his spot back. And then all of a sudden was like a new person and locking down outside attackers like winning balls in the air on crosses when he's not the largest guy on the field, um, going in hard for tackles, finally connecting with whether it was Bechtel or um, any number of players. Stevie Lamar played a little bit of left wing, um, you know, once Eli Goldman went, went down, um, it, connecting with, with those guys to get into the attack, but then ultimately getting back on defense. And he, like a few other folks on this list, I think were irreplaceable once it clicked for them. And, and we hope that Carson is like many others comes back next season. Yeah, absolutely. On to offensive <clears throat> MVP, John. 
Man, another guy we, we definitely want to get back. Uh, and this one is an easy one for me. It's Shea Bechtel. The goals did not come for Shea Bechtel this year. Like he came off of playing for Steel City in the Midwest Premier League last summer uh, or the previous summer and was the Golden Boot winner, scoring something like 10 goals in eight games or something like that. And I was like, all right. I saw this guy play for St. Olaf. Like we, you know, we have his buddy in Akeem Morgan, Victor Gallman, uh, Archie Puig. Like we have these guys that are, he's used to playing with, like he is going to get open and score buckets of goals. That did not happen. But every single game, when you looked on the field in the offensive third and you look at the person who was working the hardest, who was it, Nate? Uh, That was Shea Bechtel. It was Shea Bechtel. And he was defensively, causing problems immediately once we would lose a ball in the half or like causing fits with the the runs he makes and continuing to make those runs, even when he wasn't getting the ball to me is what, what, what just screams like productive offensive player because Mm -hmm. they want the ball and they're going to go where they want it. They're not going to wait for you to play it, to go get it. And that's what you need from an attacking player. And the goals, if Shea comes back next year, the goals will come. I know they will for him, but his, his, taking him out of our attack we clearly saw that we were losing something big and it was it was his off the ball movement and his activity yeah and i think that's a great great point to make john because offensive mvp i mean this is we're picking him over eli goldman we're picking him over uh stevie who scored more more goals or in 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 just as clutch situations but like just overall the effect on the game that Shea Bechtel has so strong. So his service into the box was great. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yep. and, and that he, that he was with the team stuck with the team all the way to the end. Very, very important. Yep. All right. Well, our last award of the, of the, the season, Nate goes to our player of the year. Who did we select? Wes Lawrence, John. I mean, talk about a guy that, has grown into Minneapolis city. It's Wes Lawrence. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, kept coming up with the NPSL, getting his shot last year, USL two, sticking with it and getting moved to center back this year where he actually, I thought was far and away. One of our better options at that position, like very like in an emergency role, right? Jonah Garcia mm-hmm. unavailable for travel, Curtis Wagner, <laughs> red carded <laughs> seemingly not wanting to play yep and it's <laughs> right and it's just like here is here's west lawrence stepping up being the rock being captain like right being the captain and 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 rallying this team and sticking with it and just like carrying the spirit of the team throughout the season yeah absolutely and, and i'll say this like and i mentioned before and it, it's all it's with all respect intended um Wes knows his deficiencies as a soccer player, but what he does to make up for those is never quitting. I mean, I watched his time at St. Thomas and it is no secret that St. Thomas since moving to division one has not had success. And he has been, he was one of the first recruits to come into the division one atmosphere there. And he's, he's, he's lost a lot of soccer games since transferring there. Yeah. But what you'll never see what you will never see is this guy give up. And when we're talking about guys, the turnover of the roster, the brotherhood, what it means to be a Minneapolis city player, there is no one else on this roster that I would point towards to say, this is the type of player you need to be for us. You know, yes, Wes isn't going to do anything out of the ordinary spectacular with the ball at his feet. He plays his role as a defender he constantly is battling. He's causing fits for the other team. He's disrupting play. He's rallying the troops. He's showing everyone by his own effort of uh, uh, like uh, what to do to get back into games. And it and, and like I said, he's lost a lot of soccer games over the course of the last two seasons. <laughs> and that's got to suck. But to have that positive attitude, and he's just a really great guy. You know, like he's never going to be one of those guys you got to worry about. Um, always has a smile on his face off the field you know, loves being around the locker room, great presence from a leadership perspective. So congratulations, Wes. And the last remaining member of the, the Stegman's Academy still on the Minneapolis City roster. Fair point, fair point. So looking back at the season, the team had a record of three wins, three draws, and six losses. 
12 points on the year, a marked improvement from the year before where he only had four or five, I think, points. Uh, 17 goals for 26 goals against something that def- I mean, there's definitely momentum here as far as team spirit, as far as involvement, as far as buy in. Right. But what we need to see momentum in is in that win column. And I think that the goals for goals against is going to be the spot to target next year. Hopefully, Carl Craig feels like he's got a great foundation now to work with that understands where he's going with his system. I think Carl's got a good idea of what he has to work with in the area and what he's working against. And uh, I think 2024 is going to be much better for Minneapolis city. I think so too. And, and like I said, like if the, the, the six minutes of stupid trademark, uh, Eric Norquist um, doesn't happen. We're looking at potentially five Five or six, five Mm -hmm. or six wins and maybe one, one less draw and two, three less losses. So that puts us in third place in this division instead of second to last place. It's pretty good. So the, again, the margin of error is very thin at this level, but if we can just make a, some things click, like give up six less goals, score five more goals, we are right in the thick of, potentially fighting for a playoff spot in this division you know we never know what other teams are going to bring each year but we know what we are and if we can if we can do that i think that things start to turn around and we get back to where we want to be where we used to be in a, in this different league with different stakes you said second to last and i was like that can't be true it is and can you believe it we beat the third place team twice beat the uh I, I, manitoba yeah. And we drew Thunder Bay Chill at home. But like, yeah. Anyway, there's there are there are definitely positives to take away from this season. Whereas last year at this time, John, you and I were like, I don't know what's gonna happen. All right, man. Yeah. Well, all all this all the talk of this summer's uh top players, and I think you can be forgiven if you run to your Hulu slash ESPN plus app and you add University of New Hampshire your watch list but john we talk about this a lot and uh (coughs) thanks in part to minneapolis city and the subsequent rise in lower league soccer here in the cities the mayak is just blowing up really high quality college soccer being played here in our backyards every week all of which you can catch on the new mayak sports network powered by huddle (laughs) which we have which i have to say uh yeah first of all let's talk about the coaches There's crows everywhere. Crows are leading teams from Northfield to north of 94. Let's go through the list. Of course, you got it. You got to talk about city's first assistant coach, Jeremy Ivaskovich, the longtime head coach of Bethel's men's program. Uh, He's got Samuel Ruiz Plaza joining his staff coming from Augsburg. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Samuel's over there now and he loves it because Samuel's his guy. Yeah. You got city goalkeeper coach, John Pucci is the new head coach at St. Mary's looking to rebuild that program. You've got former Crow Tyler Oliver taking over the lead at the men's program at Hamlin, looking to rebuild there. He hired Jonah Garcia as his top assistant, although he brought him from Augsburg. And then he added Cole Schwartz. He added Troy Luwegi to his staff. Full city over there at Hamlin. Oh, get city, on, totally. Yeah, city, city, get, city. Get on board. And then after a stint as their top assistant, his brother, Justin Oliver, took a promotion and now leads the nationally ranked St. Olaf program, 14th in the nation right now. And he brought former Crow Matt Gibbons on as an assistant. We're not there yet. or We're not done yet. Former Crows player Nick Zakowski has joined Greg Holker's staff at Augsburg after graduating from the program last year. And Scotty Heinen joins Gustavus as a first assistant. So holy crap, John. Minneapolis City is running the Mayak. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> you know, like not at St. Like... John's, not at Concordia Moorhead, not at St. Scholastica. Not anyway. at Minnesota Morris, not at not at Carlton. But yep, not I at think, Carlton. I think old Yet. Bob at Carlton's gonna need to die before any city <laughs> players take over. The guy's been there forever. But yep. yeah, I mean 
if our mission was to help elevate the profile of Minnesota soccer through the amateur ranks, it, it but also just in general, you know, like I'm not patting ourselves on the back like we like we made all this happen. But there ha- there's a running theme here, Nate, in that a lot of our former players are going on to teach the next generation of the player pool that we can pull from. Yeah. And and it's no surprise that as the Mayak has seen itself grow in its quality over the past three seasons, that Minneapolis City has had our fingerprint on the players and then the coaching staff. And we haven't even talked about the players that are playing there. So let's go into that. So like we mentioned, there are city players all over the Mayak playing for former city players all over the Mayak uh, from both the UPSL team, the Futures program, USL2. I mean, and, and some of them are off to incredibly hot starts. But just a quick rundown, all three captains for St. Olaf, Akeem Morgan, Shea Bechtel, Victor Gallman, who we mentioned did not necessarily get a chance to, to fully play for us uh, last summer, uh, Clemente Archuch Puig and Robbie the Bazooka Buzikovic, uh, all play for St. Olaf. At Gustavus, you have futures players Carlos Robles, Parker Flynn, Leo Runstead, Mason Gillian, and goalkeeper Dylan Ellers. At St. John's, you have USL2 cemented number one, Evan Siefkin. And then you have Carter and Noah Hermanson. Great piece on Carter Hermanson that uh, the club put out uh, about his past summer with the futures program. At Hamlin, you got former former futures player Jesse Juarez, uh, current futures players Bodine Gossett, Rigo Arellano, Johnny Bear. At Augsburg, you got Tomas Mena. And then you have the boys from Oregon who played in the futures program over this over the the winter session in Mizel Harris, um, Kevin Janay, who was with the the futures program two seasons ago, Mitchell Munzing and and Jeffrey Richter at St. Mary's. You have Camel too. You have A. Moo at Bethel for Jeremy. You have Jordan Ross, Diraj Bisnet at McAllister. You got everyone's second favorite Kent behind Clark. That's Nick Kent. Um, <laughs> you have futures players. <laughs> uh, and Max is going to hear that. I'm going to get a text guaranteed. Um, you have, you have, uh, you have futures players, Joey Barica and Drew Moseman. That is a lot of players. I mean, can you imagine if you put that team together as like one, one roster, what it would be in the Mayan no, or just in division three soccer. Incredible. Um, so the goals are flying in for the Groves. Akeem Morgan, Kevin Janay are, t- uh, are both tied for second in the Mayak with three goals each. Victor Gallman's got uh, a, bucket of, a bucket of goals himself, as does Shea Bechtel. Um, Mitchell Munzing, I, I, I helped you out and called the Augsburg game yesterday. Mitchell scored a, a goal and had an assist. Um, so now he's got three goals on the season, tying himself for uh, for the lead, uh, the Crows lead in the Mayak with Hakeem and Keba. He, this um, is updated but- after that. He's still got two. Oh, okay. Never mind. So he's got two goals. So he's second. Um, you know, you you have Carter Hermanson has has a, has a bucket of assists. So does Victor. So does Mizel Harris. I mean, it's just everywhere where these guys are performing. So we'll keep you updated throughout the fall on your pros in college, but don't take our word for it. Like we mentioned, check some out in person. You know, these games are happening all over the state of Minnesota. So I don't care where you live. There is a former crow playing somewhere close to you on a weekly basis. So yeah. get on out, support the Mayak. Um, like we said, the level of soccer has take, taken drastic leaps and bounds uh, in that conference for the last couple of seasons. And this season is no different. And then of course, like we said, you can go over to where Nate, cause you say it a thousand times a week. Mayak sports network powered by huddle powered by huddle. So check it out folks. Cause we're doing it. Whether you're, whether it's Nate calling Augsburg's games, me filling in when he has his colonoscopies. Um, I, what? Uh, you know, we're... <laughs> Multiple. We're, uh... <laughs> you know, they didn't get it the first time. <laughs> uh, would it be colonoscopy or colonoscopies? I don't know. Whatever it is. You, you tell me. It's, it's your health. <laughs> you tell me. It's your health. Uh, all joking aside, uh, Nate is not uh, in col- colonoscopy age range yet. <laughs> uh, but anyways, back to all, all seriousness. 
this the 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 contingent of the crows is is everywhere from the booth to the field to the coaching staff so check it on out and with that um that is all for this week's show thank you to our wonderful show sponsor all colonoscopies aside still staying with us that's footballstadiumprints.com uh if you're in the market for some supremely curated soccer focused graphic design or on anything from mugs to t-shirts head on over to footballstadiumprints.com fill up that cart and don't forget in that cart before you check out, to use the code, the code CROWS10 for 10% off everything you purchase. And remember, all orders ship right from the United States, so no pesky international shipping charges. And as a reminder, Minneapolis City is a 501c3, so consider beefing up that tax deduction ahead of next year. It's never too early to give that charitable gift to the club that loves to give back. And season tickets for 2024, I know it's hard to say and hard to believe, they are on sale already. So it's, it's never too early for you to cement your seat in the stands and get some sweet swag while you're at it. And as always, you get that early season discount. So benefit discounts everywhere. <laughs> Head on over to mplscdsc.com and get yours today. And if you're interested in getting a hold of us, we've made it super simple. Hit up the club on Twitter at mplscdsc. Complain, complain. Uh, <laughs> you can complain there. You can, you can shower praises, whatever you want to do. Uh, to the club or at the show at the people's pitch again you can complain to us you can you can praise us whatever you want to do um or you can send us email and we promise that we're going to get better at reading our emails so please start to send them at mcscpodcast at gmail.com so that truly is all for this week i am john back from the injured reserve that was nate <laughs> back from his colonoscopy and we'll be back with you next week talk about the upsl season awards and then a full we'll, we'll put our heads together and talk about what the full plan is for the show for this off season so we don't have as big of a delay but we're not at you every week so as always you got you got to